Hello everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of the Digital Adoption Show Season 2. I'm Tamana from WhatFix. I hope you are having a gala time listening to all of these episodes because we definitely are enjoying making one for you. So Season 2 episode features Gokul Suresh, who's the head of growth at WhatFix and he's, he's having a conversation about how right balance of technology for organizational learning strategy is important with Simon Gibson who's the future skills and career lead at the Direct Line Group. It's a really fun conversation and with a lot of fun and examples, I definitely suggest you shouldn't miss this out. Hey all, welcome to the Digital Adoption Show. I'm your host Gokul Suresh, Head of Growth at WhatFix and uh, in this episode, I'm hosting the wonderful Simon Gibson. Simon is a man of many talents. He has been in the learning, HR, training and uh, organizational development ecosystem for more than 15 years and has been part of organizations like NatWest, NBC Universal Media, Fujitsu Global, and um, currently working with the UK-based insurance company, Direct Line Group. Um, and throughout his career, Simon has been helping companies create and implement learning and training solutions, um, digitally transform the technology, um, adopting cloud from legacy systems and much more, right? So in this episode, we'll be talking to Simon specifically on how to bring about digital transformation in learning and employee training. I mean, trying to create that buzz in learning and employee training, right? So yeah, well, welcome to the Digital Adoption Show, Simon. Great, Gokul, thanks for having me. I, I don't think I've been called one before, before but um, let, let, let's see where we get to. Yeah, very pleased to be here, um, keen to share some insights and some views, like you say, and have a, a nice open discussion around all things learning and, and organizational development. Awesome. And Simon, actually, that had a very good ring to it. You know, the wonderful Simon Gibson seemed like, you know, a magician types, right? <laughs> I know. I should maybe pop that on my LinkedIn profile. See, see, how, <laughs> see how that goes. Yeah. Awesome. Right. And so, Simon, so for the audience, right, if you could fill in the, gla- fill in the gaps uh, to your intro. I mean, I- I'm sure there's pl- plenty more from that, which I just told. So pretty much, um, you know, if you could uh, spare some more words. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I suppose over the last few years, I've had a real focus on um, technology and its impact on the workplace. Um, um, but more importantly, I say more importantly, but I suppose, we and we can discuss some of this as we go through, um, you know, what does that mean for people and what does that mean for the business that can ultimately achieve its relevant goals and outcomes um, that happens to be in a learning guise. Yeah, you know, I'm currently a, a UK insurer called Direct Line Group. Uh, mm-hmm. We're a very big insurer in in our in our country. But I've worked in other countries. Uh, I've worked in the US. I've worked across Europe uh, and parts of Asia. Always doing similar sort of things in and around that learning and talent space. Again, and I'm very open to. Uh, separate discussions for anybody that's listening on you know what are the challenges they're facing and and what are some of the things that I've done that might help that um all the way back in my career to yeah I've worked frontline you know and I've worked in retail and I've worked in banking and and finance and personal finance and IT hardware for a weird and wonderful career that hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about but um, bring to life for some of the audience as well awesome so Simon you mentioned banking finance media uh, tech, right? How did the mix come into play? I mean, that's so many different industries, so many, so many tracks that you've jumped into, right? I mean, so uh, two questions. One, what is the motivation behind jumping tracks to so many industries? And the second one, what are some takeaways for the audience from this really broad experience? 
Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, so I've never worked in the same industry twice is, is kind of my tagline, right? So uh, I think it says more about me and maybe a bit about my profession where I think we should be around, and I'll answer the questions at the same time, uh, about curiosity. So, you know, what did I know about IT hardware when I joined IT hardware? Well, you know, I had a computer, but, you know, I learned a lot. What did I know about finance, corporate finance, banking, learning, brokering nothing but I can tell you a lot about how that business now makes money you know what did I learn and um, what did I know about uh, um, solar energy what did I know about uh, IT rec- I can pick any industry that I've worked in right it's it's a built a real thirst for knowledge how things work I don't mean to sound really capitalist and you know it's all about money but 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 how does it make money right you know that I'm just really intrigued because are there similarities between Fujitsu a behemoth of an IT company that you guys will know and, and have come across and, and direct line group who just happen to sell insurance. Actually, there are similarities, right, in some of the challenges and what their people need to do and how that works. Fast forward to today and hopefully a more successful post-pandemic move for everyone, um, that's going to alter how we work and, and what we do as work, right? So I'm always intrigued, basically, always intrigued is what I'm saying. Awesome. And, you know, in fact, uh, so there was this book which I read, Bell Curve. So there was this very interesting concept over there that when you move from organization to organization, there is process, skills and everything that you carry ahead, right? I mean, that's something that you go deeper into, you build it up and you take it from every, you know, each organization, you take something new and you, you know, go to the next one. Whereas, you know, there's product, there's market, which keeps on changing. Now, that is what you need to actually get a hold of every time you move, Right. I'm, I'm assuming that's what I mean. Over the years, you have accumulated that process and skills uh, to a lot more level. It's just about understanding the market and the product and, you know, then going full, fully on with it. Yeah. Right? How does it work? I love it. Right. And, and again, like I say, people brighter than me can write books and, and articles and, and papers on it. But, but, you know, how does the thing make money? Mm hmm. How can you understand its pain points? You'll know this from your own organization, right? You know, what what are the issues you're trying to address? And can you bring something to the party that will help address that issue? And actually, is it, it, and again, we'll talk about this later, you know, is it really the big issue or is it just something nice that you like to do? Well, if it's the big issue and you can bring something that helps, you know, whisper it quietly, it doesn't matter what industry it is, does it, right? (laughs) That's that's a win for all, whether it's nuclear decommissioning or a, a big American uh, um, film and TV industry, right? You know, find the pain points around its people, around technology, around change and transformation and see if you can do something meaningful about them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, Seven, I think um, so we, we spoke about verticals. Now, let, let's think horizontal, right? I mean, uh, you've been doing, uh, you've been into L&D and, uh, you, you know, for the audience, right, Simon has been a head of learning, talent development director, head of organizational development, head of people excellence. I mean, so many different uh, org development uh, roles that you've been into. I mean, in a horizontal structure, if you look at, right. So how does that come into the mix? And uh, again, there's so much of learning in that career. So I'm asking particularly for the audience who are looking up to, you know, growing their career in L&D and HR, uh, what's that core that you would define um, as a professional, and how do you what what kind of takeaways that you can give for the audience? How do you yeah, think? How do they grow? 
Yeah, I love it. Right, great question. And for the audience, and you can see, you know, if you contact me or if you look at my profile, you know, I started at the bottom, right? So I was way, way, way down at the bottom over 15 years ago, showing my age a little bit on a secondment and a talent move came up. And the joke I gave to, to Go Call before is I didn't know what a secondment meant and I didn't know what a talent move was, right? So that, that gives you a bit of an insight into my world, into to learning and talent and, and HR. Like many folks, did I did I set out to come and play in this world? No, I didn't. Um, but what I did, and again, hopefully it comes across in my career and, and what I'm talking about, is I just had a thirst to understand what might be able to help. And, and so the first job I got as a training manager way back when was because I was pretty good at the job I did. Okay, we know this is the story as old as time. You're pretty good at what you do. Do you want to go and manage some people at what you do? Or can you teach some people? about what you do right and they gave me the opportunity to yeah look at some of our training solutions interventions and and, and I suppose what I'm sharing is because I've done the job and I was really passionate about the job actually I was pretty well placed to talk about what might help and what might not help was I a training or learning expert or development no I wasn't but I I did my best to start my learning journey right and, and followed that energy and an opportunity into this world which then um i suppose it, it, my advice to the audience is get outside your comfort zone go and talk to different companies build your network you know we're talking because 15 years later i still build my network right <laughs> we're a living example go and see what you can learn from other industries countries verticals people and team challenge your thinking and um you know don't be afraid to voice an opinion now and again which is i'm trying to do on this podcast right so <laughs> yeah awesome simon i think i'm going to just step that part and put it on linkedin that's that's just pure goal <laughs> <laughs> sounds a plan, awesome. right? sounds a plan. yeah yeah <laughs> All right. So I have a different uh, direction to the um, entire conversation as well. Uh, you mentioned 15 years, right? 15 years of career, 15 plus years rather, right? So that means you have seen multiple black swan events, right? I mean, starting from, let's say, approximately 2008, economic crash, then Brexit, now, now the pandemic, right? So while the pandemic definitely seems to have accelerated the adoption of L&D and uh, the new technology around it, now, there's something that you have learned and adapted from each of those situations. So how do you think it's different from what we have adapted in 2022? I mean, how, how has it progressed over the years? Yeah, good, great. Again, you know, we could probably have a separate conversation just about this, but uh, I suppose I put a little post on LinkedIn earlier, actually, funny enough, that there isn't a playbook, right? There is no Ulrich example there is no McKinsey can tell you there is no consultancy that can say when we last came out of a pandemic this is what we did um because it didn't it didn't exist right <laughs> it's never happened in this way before however however uh, uh, and again you'll know you know have we learned the lessons of the past with Brexit for, for, for those that in, in Europe and, and the United Kingdom and, and freedom of movement and, and the talent we need and how to attract them? No, not really. Did we really learn from the financial crash? No, we've got evidence today that says we're still underskilled, you know, partly why we're talking. You know, we're not, we don't have strong enough digital literacy. We definitely don't have strong enough data literacy. Mm. Uh, we knew this 15 plus years ago, right? This isn't, this isn't new news. 
And, and then, you know, we're talking today on a technology that whilst, you know, it probably skyrocketed through the pandemic, um, you know, virtual technology has been around for 20 plus years, right? It's not, yep. it's not, it's not new, no. You know, I'm, it sounds like I'm being critical. I'm not. I'm just like we just thought works Monday to Friday, you know, nine till whatever time you finish or whatever time you start to whatever time you finished and it was quite fixed you know we had very industrial age thinking and all of a sudden because of the pandemic because of the acceleration I think a lot of pennies have dropped if that translates you know people are thinking in a different way that have suddenly gone ah yeah actually actually we could do this differently but we just don't know how back to my point there isn't a magical example to look at, to talk at, or or to lean into. You've got to try some stuff. Uh, and, you know, that's my crude way of saying, well, what's right for your organisation might not be right for another organisation, right? But but I suppose what I've learned and I'm learning is there is massive opportunity to do things differently, massive opportunity to help organisations, to help businesses transform quicker, faster, better, lots of variables to make that happen but there is huge opportunity yeah i mean and that's what if you look at one other aspect i mean i, I keep talking about digital transformation and i mean to me digital transformation is just adopting any new technology i mean back when we had the brick small nokia phones uh, to the iphone now it's, it's digital transformation right and that's that's not almost the same age right i mean uh, 15 years or 20 years right so <laughs> It's a lot of um, adopting different aspects to it and, um, you know, figuring out what works now. Well, I'm I, I, sorry, I've got passion, right? So, so now I'm going to follow it because you go, well, hold on. The iPhone's, well, it can't, I don't think the iPhone's 15 years old, right? Maybe it is approximately. Uh, um, but the pace of technological change, if you were mapping it on an X and Y, you know, as we know, technological change has gone vertical. It's got change within organizations especially those of significant size or or listed or, on any relevant stock exchange mm, not as fast right <laughs> definitely not as fast change outside to us and our personal lives it's a million miles an hour and, and then so what happens is you've got this weird paradigm that you go into work and you lose all the superpowers that you have outside of work because outside of work you can get food fresh food made ordered delivered to you you can book a holiday you can do travel you can do your banking you don't have to go to a bank you can scan objects you can do things you go into work and all those things are taken away because it's a server in the basement and only certain people can work on the server and just i mean it, it, it like time gets unwound it's like time travel um that that creates the opportunity is my point that that's the missed opportunity and, and we still think we can make work work in the way that it did yesterday rather than the way it does tomorrow in inverted commas tomorrow if anybody could see me on this podcast but yeah yeah I and mean, I, I totally agree there I mean in fact that I mean everybody has seen that comic right COVID-19 uh, accelerated digital transformation I mean what, what's your take on that Simon what do you think uh, well yeah yeah I, I, I don't think well did it did I'm it really comment yeah, I'm I'm not an economist, right? But 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 did it did it accelerate transformation for some? Well, it forced them, didn't it? It forced the world online, and it mm. forced us to adopt technologies. To your point, that maybe we didn't want to before, and we've proved, you know, we've had the world's biggest use case that predominantly work can be done in many cases than we knew before, uh, anytime, 
kind of any place, almost in any, almost in any environment. I get it if you're on a factory line. I get it if you're providing a service. You can't do that from your home and your garden unless it's a, a service you can provide to somebody in their home or garden. Um, but if you're making something, yeah, you've got to go to the factory and make the thing. But, but predominantly around that with the, the, the traditional work and office work and remote work and what we thought before, it, it's just shone a very bright light on some things, my point, we've ignored. We, a function, HR, learning, or t- talent, whatever you want to call us, uh, has ignored for so long. And all of a sudden we've gone, hmm, actually this could work, couldn't it? Oh, and it could be for benefit because people can have more choice. People can have more flexibility. We can find different people. We can work in different ways. It's not confined to a traditional structured time bound when or where we must mm-hmm. work. Allowing for cultural difference. I get it's not the same across the globe. I understand this. I've experienced it firsthand. But it is is a massive opportunity. Um, do do I wish we had COVID? Of course I didn't. You know, I don't. You know, it's, it's very sad and it's affected many people in different ways. But from a work perspective, I, I think we'd still be in a very similar situation had it not happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, true. That think of this: that there are a lot of companies which has remote workforce, right? I mean, and the technology for that already existed, and there was already a lot of remote working happening, right? I mean, in in your case also, Simon, I think you must have um, rolled out some uh, maybe L and D methodology, or maybe let's say a training um, uh, regime or something like that uh, for the entire remote workforce, right? How how was that different earlier, and you know how is it different now? Yeah, brilliant, right? So, so that, that the million dollar question was it really different? You know, I'd argue it, it wasn't really different, right? It's it's just that we didn't have the laser like spotlight provided uh, by the pandemic on what remote working means. And, and interestingly, and I talk to a lot of people across the globe, and uh, you know, predominantly a lot of those in Europe, some in America. It, it's really interesting to hear how companies and organisations are tagging remote slash hybrid uh, uh, working slash smarter working, flexible, you know, there'll be lots of different terms that people use because um, the skills and capabilities for us to talk now and interact in a way and to chat over a camera and to use this as a recording and to put it out on social media in different environments, yeah, it's a skill set. I didn't need a pandemic to, to upskill me on it, you know, like I said, I've worked with teams and, and, and different countries and different languages for a long time. Yeah, I might be quite unique uh, in some of my experiences, but those things were still required. We are a global workforce. Why wouldn't you want to go and understand where you could get great skills, whether that's within your country or not? Caveat, not every company can do that. Mm-hmm. But, but but that was the opportunity, right? So, so um, yeah, I, I could rant, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting topic and I, I totally get it, right? Anyway, I, I have a I have another angle to this as well. I mean, so, so, so through this podcast, it's called the Digital Adoption Show. So basically, we are trying to evangelize the concept of digital adoption and literacy, right? And um, you must have seen how employees of an organization uh, struggle with, um, let's say, enterprise applications generally. I mean, they are sophisticated in nature. Um, there is, it has a lot of capabilities, a lot of features. But yeah, 
people struggle because they don't know how to utilize it, right? So uh, in the current scenario, L&D folks needs to look at the best way to deliver a learning, right? And as you rightly mentioned, remotely, if you're, uh, you have to worry about the pace of the learner, interest of the learner, and so many different aspects, right? Before and after, even now that exists, right? So uh, how do you bridge those skill gaps, right? And um, uh, and you must have tried a lot of different ways on that, right? Can you Can you cite some examples that you've tried and you know how it actually happened yeah so so i'll give i'll give give some broad views and then and then an example or two we could we can talk about and share a a really great point which is obviously you know allowing for cultural variance right i'm not gonna overemphasize the point that obviously not everybody speaks the same language Hmm. um and not everybody can run at the same speed uh when learning if you apply the system lens and the adoption lens that you just talked about there, or and I like the term literacy, so let's play with that for a minute. Digital literacy, well, interestingly, just using the pandemic uh, as an example, look at how many countries, many, many countries, if not globally, had to change their approach to digital literacy, to their approach to how they interact with these tools, how they can get shopping online, how they can bank online, how they can, this is just from a personal perspective, right? Just from a personal perspective, which then bled into work, right? And I don't know if you experienced this at your organization, but how challenging it was for many, many to kind of go, well, hold on, I've got to meet Goku online. We've never met online before i've not used zoom before or teams there are other platforms i don't get paid to endorse any of them right you know and 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 what did we do to upskill reskill those people now you know that you can evangelize about microsoft saying well we basically gave teams away free and we try to make it as easy as possible but where i'm getting to is think about the user experience right we're all users and to, the, the best one I can talk about and share for everyone is the iPhone. You know, I would love to meet somebody who's read the instructions about how to use an iPhone. They do exist, right? Mm-hmm. But, but where do they put all their energy and effort? In the user yeah. experience, right? You slide it out of the box. You peel off the sticker. You pop it open. You power it on. It's got energy in it already. It's partly charged, right? Think about the details that they've put into how easy it is to turn on their product, how easy it is to start using it. Then overlay that with what you do in an organization or a business for a process. And you go, oh, we could have 59 steps to make this really complicated. So why don't we have 720 steps, right? (laughs) Why don't we make it really hard for the end user? Do you see what I mean? We don't start with the end in mind. Even if you make products, even if your company's making products, but you've got people using systems and technology, we get really stuck in that kind of place. And and so to bring that to life, yes, yeah, some work I've done at Fujitsu, uh, um, some work I've done at RS Components, some work I'm looking at now, you know, around that digital literacy, what are the basic key skills that you would want people to have more of uh, mm-hmm. that you would want people to utilize and, you know, and I'm really going to emphasize this point irrespective of their role so when we talk about collaboration everybody and I mean everybody should be able to use these types of tools to collaborate to have conversations to have team meetings to 
capture ideas, to share documents, to work on things at the same time. We're talking in two different time zones, in two different countries. Many people don't experience that. Actually, mm-hmm. many, many people don't have the skills to even do that, right? So yep. don't, I suppose what I'm counselling in, in a generalistic term is, is don't underestimate how low the bar might be and, and don't overestimate how far you can get. And, you know, I'm being quite candid about my experiences and I, and I talk about this a lot. You know, I might be talking about building a space rocket to get to the moon and actually all my organisation needed to do was get across the road, right? So, so whilst I might have a big grand ambition and, and lots of opportunity and technology can present lots of big opportunities, actually if all I needed to do was get them across the road, you know, think about how quick and short and smart you could make that with a brilliant user experience, right? to help them get across the road rather than designing a rocket that will only get them to the moon, but nobody wanted to get to the moon. It sounds random, I know, but I'm trying to give a global example, right? Of yep. <laughs> I got Simon's it. <laughs> crazy mind and thinking uh, 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 and what that means. Um, even in smaller organisations, you know, I go back to smaller organisations when I've worked in, in small startups or, or private equity-backed uh, environments, the challenges being the same, you know, how do you get your baseline on where people are at how do you uh, really ratify where you think or understand or, or capture where you want to get them to? You know, is everybody at a one and you only need to get them to a two? Great, right? Or, or are you just not really utilising the data and the information and the insight available and you're just making a guess because you do learning and people like doing learning? You know, I'm trying to bring to life the opportunities to how to challenge some of that thinking, but a long-winded way of answering that question, Doug <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I, I love the whole idea of, you know, um, instead of crossing the road, go to the moon. Really, I mean, that's something, it, it's a thought, right? Because when you look at it, a lot of people just do what they, uh, what's told to them, right? I mean, there's a lot of innovation that can come into a uh, picture. And nowadays, um, let's say even, even in L&D particularly, uh, blended aspects, that works out really well. I mean, how do you mix and match different um, um, modes of training and learning? Right. Can we have a micro learning aspect to it? Can we have, uh, let's say, a VR aspect to it? Uh, right. Can we have an interactive guidance towards it? Right. So there's a lot of mix and match that comes into play. Right. It's, it's about the creativity that you ultimately have. Yeah. And, and finding the right blend, because would I don't know, I'll use a silly example again. Right. You know, would I want a brain surgeon uh, uh, you know, using VR to have his first go at, at, at you know, working on someone's brain. Well, yeah, that's quite safe. You know, can't really harm anybody in a virtual reality environment. Do I want him to practice for live on me or her uh, for the first time? No, I don't. No. <laughs> but, but somehow you have to get the experiences, don't you, to your point. So uh, what am I trying to emphasise? You know, as rich as you can make those experiences, as meaningful as an impactful as you can make them. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but I'd understand if if it's memorable uh, I'm more likely to to remember and recall that mm-hmm. information than, you know, I did a module, it lasted 30 minutes. I might not need that content for seven months' time. Um, well, actually, then your 30-minute module is a bit useless, isn't it? But if in seven months' time you've got the artificial intelligence and the ability to nudge Simon and know he might need this thing at this moment in time, well, that's a bit different, isn't it? That's a bit in the flow like we talk about and, and the right mix and the, actually I know Simon prefers to pause maybe have a read and then carry on so we've sent him this thing at that appropriate time 
so yeah just finding the right blend finding the right mix um of materials be that knowledge be that insight be that new learning to your point you know how how um thirsty are your organization to remain curious and continually to look at new ways to learn or new opportunities to learn that correlate directly with what your business is doing i'm not saying go learn something that's completely different to what your company or, or your role is right because that might not be appropriate use of your time but blending it in the right mix and in the right mode at the right moment yeah that's the magical uh, uh, solution that everybody's trying to aim for yeah i mean uh, and seven i wanted to ask this particularly let's say everybody loves something which is ready made right something of a recipe that they can apply to their organization right away something actionable right so uh, you mentioned about all the different mixes now uh, are there any mixes that has worked really for you which you think can fit in for any organization something where uh, okay fine these these combinations work really well uh, let's try this out something like that yeah Yeah I love it I love it I th- I think so right and I think so and I would caveat with that if I'm wrong challenge me right talk to me reach out to me but but I don't underestimate the simplicity of something you know very clean and simple like I said about user experience that explains or showcases what you're asking your employee or user to do the, the cliche guide you know the one page simplistic guide with a a, a i suppose you know in a in a world of tiktok and 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 youtube that you know that kind of is probably a premium on time and i'm i'm you know i'm showing my age but you know kind of 60 seconds 2 minutes of it's this uh, i think it all my experience says it always lands really well right it always lands really well and if you've got the relevant ability to capture data mi that says do you know what you know we sent that out and 7000 people watched the whole 60 seconds um and we've had no downtime and there's no issues with that system it seems to have worked um definitely that i, I don't think you can get away from uh, i'm not saying classroom training's dead but you can't get away from just hanging out with the right group and talking about shared experiences right and shared problems and shared challenges that again because of the experience my experience is people go away with some learnings Uh, and go away with some more information and they started that session with caveated with it has to be part of your organizational mix right and and does that work and can you take people off the phone or out of the office and into that environment or have you changed your office back to our point about as a result of the pandemic to think about how you can collaborate better and connect better in person when allowed and when mm-hmm. appropriate than than you did before um I'm just a, a real big fan of brilliant user experience, right? And I'm not saying everybody's got to make a a a a blockbuster type movie to explain things and do things and showcase things, but anything you can do to make that as rich as possible for your end user, uh, I would say has always had the biggest impact for me. Yeah, I mean I think it's time to move away from those um, smaller user manuals ultimately, right? I don't know why people still have it. I mean honestly, <laughs> I I've well, read my, my iPhone example. You know, iPhone doesn't send us a 20-page book, do they? Right? They they say here's here's top tips and and after a few months your phone will nudge you and say, yeah. "Oh, yeah, do you do you want to learn a couple of things? It'll take you 2 minutes. You know, here's five things." You go, oh, "That's pretty cool." I, I mean, the amount of, I still do it today showing my age, right? 
I still do it now and learn things I didn't know before. Or I find things on, on, on social media where I'm kind of, I didn't know that shortcut, right? You know, and how long have I had the phone? Well, I've had the phone 12 years, right? Not the same phone, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately, challenge the complacency, right? Ultimately. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right. So, Simon, I think uh, we've come to the, almost to the end of the show, right? And I have a rapid fire here, right? So, I have a few questions. I'll just, whatever comes, the first thing that comes on your mind, just just go ahead with that, right? Cool. Awesome. All right. So, um, what's your learning philosophy, right? So, if you haven't thought about it, what, what do you think it would be? Cool, I love this. Uh, so my philosophy would be don't, don't be afraid to ask questions. Just get curious. Remain curious, find out how things work, and it will answer many more questions than you realize. Okay, awesome, awesome. And uh, okay, now think of it in this way. Now let's say you are a CEO of an organization that controls learning for everybody, right? What would, what would the first thing that you, uh, you know, would like to try? Oh, wow. Uh, so, so a big, uh, uh, yeah, wow. Um, I, I think everybody would have to retrain to become sort of some sort of data engineer, data analyst, right? <laughs> scrap, scrap learning another language and, and, and anything like that, you should be learning coding languages. I, I think I would be um, hopefully quite progressive in helping everybody of my company, in inverted commas CEO of my company, understand the power and impact of technology and what that might mean on people and people's roles, but how we can do that in a meaningful and valuable way for all that helps them remain employable or, or uh, relevant for many, many years to come uh, rather than a declining skill set. We're told these stories everywhere, right? Aren't we? You know, the robots are coming, automation, augmentation. So, so hopefully I would be the CEO that bridges that gap and, and really changes uh, people's opportunities as a result yeah and great power great responsibility right so i love it yeah yeah, yeah. i love it <laughs> awesome right now um as a thought leader in the space uh, i'm sure there are many you look up to as well uh who are those yeah if you can uh, name them yeah that's great uh um who do i look up to that's really interesting um Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm not really sure, really. It's more, I, I just, you know, I follow lots of different industries. I look outside my industry. I look at, it, it's a bit cliched. I don't even like the term, right? And I'll give you a bit of a rant on it. But, you know, when people say, what we need to do is ask the business. And I go, but I am the business. I get, we all get paid by the same people. So, uh, you know, I'm business first. And, and I suppose I do that by, very weird and wonderful ways. I'm a big fan of the World Economic Forum and lots of their research. I follow lots of different professors. I follow lots of thought leaders, innovation, uh, disruptors. I don't know if they're called thought leaders. It's just people I've found, right, throughout, <laughs> throughout my weird and wonderful career that I kind of go, well, they, they share some interesting stuff. And it, and it goes back to my counsel at the start rather than, you know, give out a long list of names for people to follow, which is, Maybe look outside your comfort zone. Look outside of your current industry and your current vertical. You know, if you're in HR, go find some good people in finance who talk some sense. Go find some people in marketing who really know how to market products. You know, follow some technological angles. Read some varied articles, podcasts. Obviously, listen to these brilliant podcasts um, and, and, and other material that will maybe lead you somewhere else because that's what it's done for me. The power of LinkedIn, tweet, Twitter, social media is taken me to many weird and wonderful people. I, I can't really say it's these five people because it's not, and I'd be doing a disservice to 
everyone else that I do read and follow. There are people in my profession, yeah, I read and watch and follow exactly what they do and I have a lot of respect for them. Um, but yeah, there's many weird and wonderful ways. Probably have a look at what I do and write and follow on LinkedIn might help some people as well. Yeah, I mean, um, just the way we started the podcast, right? Curiosity, right? Just be curious. Simple, right? It's simple. It sounds simple. It sounds simple. Find the time. Just be curious. Yep. Awesome. All right. And um, what are some books you have read this year? That uh, Not this year, maybe last year even, right? So what are some books that you would really recommend uh, folks to read? Uh, oh, great. Yeah, love this. So um, uh, big fan of obviously Dan Pink. Um, uh, anything to do with Dan. You put me on the spot now. And who would I say? Um, I've read some things about, yeah, artificial intelligence. I couldn't tell you who's written them, right? And, and predictive analytics. That's a bit sad, isn't it? Apologies mm-hmm. to the authors. I'm sure I, I could come back to that. Also a bit different, I have to say I'm a massive fan of Brené Brown and, and anybody mm-hmm. who's watched her TED Talks or uh, Daring Greatly is one of my favourite reads, which I did reread through uh, uh, lockdown. It's probably yeah, one of the last ones I read. Um, and then I'm reading loads of stuff. Again, it's, it's like me, right? I'm reading true crime at the moment. It's nothing to do with what I do. <laughs> it's, nothing, it's just a complete release, right, to read something uh, completely different. So, um yeah. yeah, I'm just really curious. I mean, behind on the wall, there's a quote. Is that a quote or is that something else? It is a, it is a quote and it probably uh, alludes to who I am. So it's in my office for uh, or a little study that I've got as, as my office. And I look at it every day that I come into this room and it says everything begins with an idea. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely something that resonates with me because, yeah, you know, I, I try and exercise or in downtime or in quiet moments you have ideas right and and back to my curiosity point and looking elsewhere don't be afraid to follow those ideas you know some of my ideas are stupid right and crazy and and some of my ideas seem to have worked out all right um Mm -hmm. but but you know everything begins with an idea and uh it's it's stood me in good stead so far yeah i love that that's that's the daily motivation right i mean you get an idea let's find something (laughs) Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, let's try that. Might be wrong, but that's okay. Let's see what we learn, right? Yep. Awesome. And so the last question, right? So, uh, I mean, this is a digital adoption show. So uh, when you think digital adoption, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, Yeah, embracing is great. Again, I love this, right? And we could keep talking. You know, for me, uh, digital adoption, what does that mean? Just embracing something that's going to help you do what you can do, but better, right? And and I'm trying not to label what that might be because obviously, you know, there's lots of different variants of that. But we're in a world where it's not going to go away. It's going to get faster. We're in a world where the term digital adoption, uh, digital uptake, digital literacy, like we've, we've shared a few times here, it's just going to get louder and louder and louder. And I appreciate I'm in a Maybe I'm in a minority where I can view and understand how important that can be for an organisation and a business. But but to answer your question and to bring it back on a local level, digital adoption, what does it mean to me? Just embracing anything that can help, right? Mm-hmm. Anything that can help uh, in a way that's either personal or organisationally or, or whatever facet you want to work with that. So, yeah, that's where I sit. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's the bit uh, from my side, um, Simon. And, uh, you know, we have, we've actually come to the end of yet another episode of Digital Adoption Show. So thanks, Simon. This has been amazing. I love the conversation. Great. Thanks for your time. Like I said, if anybody wants to reach out, you know, please find me on LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. I'm happy to carry on the conversation and or be challenged on any of my wonderful ideas or not so wonderful ideas I've had during the, the chat. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm sure people will reach out to you. I mean, I, this should be motivational enough for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Awesome. So um, thanks everyone listening to this podcast and um, stay tuned to the Digital Adoption Show for more great content and some really incredible speakers. Mm-hmm.